it was an insurrection. So how many of the participants in that insurrection have been charged with insurrecting, with sedition, with treason? Quite a few. Zero. But you know what? No one has been charged. Not true. With sedition. No one has been charged with sedition or insurrection. Yeah. Most have been hit with charges like parading. Mm -mm. No. Nope. Parading. No, nope. not true. Who knew that was a crime? Do you know how many people have been charged Lots. with inciting insurrection or sedition or treason? A couple of dozen. Uh, or domestic terrorism no, as a result of anything? Yeah. Zero. Nope. Has anybody been charged with sedition? Nobody. Yes. yes. Has anybody been charged with treason? Nobody. Yes. So why do they keep calling it an insurrection? How many times do words like insurrection, sedition, or treason appear in Biden's own DOJ indictments <sighs> against the January 6th rioters? Oh, Fox News. The answer, zero. No. Insurrecting. Well, they've been charged and now convicted. There you go. Now they got it right. Oh, Fox News. You be you. That's why. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. But it's getting better. And I'm how I'll get down the no, really, it is. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hey, yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's K-A-K-U. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. It was a, uh, it was, well, as you may have noticed, a rough weekend in Texas, Desi's, Desi Doyen's old home state. Hi, Desi. Hi. Uh, with not one, but two mass murders, both of which seem to be tied to right-wing hate. According to early reporting in each of the matters, uh, we may get to that a little bit later today, along with your calls. If you'd like to ring in on anything we discussed today at 818-985-5735, write it down unless you're driving. 818-985-KPFK. If you're in our live Southern California listening area or you're listening to us uh, from anywhere in the world across the kpfk.org stream. But let me start here today. Uh, and Des, can you turn my amp down just a, about a half a point on each side there? Um, let me start here today with uh, a guest joining us momentarily. Uh, a jury last Thursday convicted four members of the racist far-right Proud Boys militia group, including its former leader Enrique Terrio, 
of seditious conspiracy, finding that they plotted to attack the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, in a failed bid to unlawfully block Congress from uh, President Biden's election victory. So uh, unlike what Fox was misinforming listeners with at the top of the show, they're going on and on about how, oh, what are you talking about? No one's been charged with sedition or conspiracy. Yeah, turns out a lot of them have been, and a lot of them have now been found guilty. The failed defense of the Proud Boys was that they were directed to do so to storm the Capitol by President Donald J. Trump himself. The convictions came at the end of a trial that lasted nearly four months in federal court in D.C. and as yet another uh, in a string of legal victories for the U.S. Justice Department and arguably for the rule of law as the agency's uh, pursues criminal charges against more than 1,000 people at this point from the uh, Capitol rampage by Trump's supporters in what has been the largest DOJ investigation and prosecution in its history. In addition to the Proud Boys leader Tario, uh, Ethan Nordeen, Joseph Biggs, and Zachary Real were also convicted of seditious conspiracy. That's a Civil War-era law, simply defined as participating in a plot to oppose the government by force. Conviction on that charge alone can carry up to 20 years in prison. The 12-member jury deliberated for about a week, also found that these uh, losers uh, that uh, Terrio, Nordine, Biggs, Real, and Dominic Pizzola also found them guilty of other felonies, including obstructing an official proceeding, a charge that, like seditious conspiracy, can also carry up to 20 years in prison. And as we also noted last week, that is because that is also a charge. This is important because it's also a charge that Special Counsel Jack Smith, according to independent national security journalist Marcy Wheeler on our program, uh, that she believes is likely to be brought against Donald J. Trump in the months ahead. The far-right racist gang members were also convicted of conspiring to impede Congress from performing its duties, another charge that Trump may face, and obstructing law enforcement during a civil disorder. It should be noted here that Tario, the group's leader, uh, found guilty on all of these charges. He was not even at the Capitol on January 6th, but he was still found guilty of these very serious charges. That also, as I read the verdict, is also bad news for our disgraced former president. Several months ago, top members of another far-right militia group, the Oath Keepers, they were also convicted of sedition in earlier uh, trials. Five people, including a uh, police officer, uh, were killed in, uh, during this uh, Trump-incited insurrection. So, you know, more than 140 police officers were seriously injured. This was a very serious day. Now, I don't know if the message has gotten over to Fox News yet or if they're still out there pretending that nothing really happened here, but it did. And now we have the court convictions to prove it. 
In the case of the Oath Keepers, on Friday, the DOJ submitted its sentencing memo for those Oath Keepers found guilty of sedition and other charges. That's the recommendations to the court from the Department of Justice for how the convicted members of the Oath Keepers should be punished. And as uh, TPM's David Kurtz writes today, the DOJ memo reflects a deep appreciation for the historic significance of the January 6th insurrection, for what real accountability looks like and for the ongoing threat to the rule of law that Trump and the far right represent. Prosecutors are seeking a 25-year jail sentence for Oathkeeper founder Stuart Rhodes, who was convicted of seditious conspiracy. Rhodes, I should note, was once a guest on this program many moons ago before he and his, uh, his group became quite so radicalized as they eventually came. By uh, January 6th, you can download and listen to that interesting interview, if you'd like, for free via bradblog.com. It's free, like all of our shows, to listen to. A key passage from the DOJ's 128-page, I think it was, or well, actually, I think 193, if I'm remembering, 193-page sentencing memo filed on Friday, quote, here, the need to deter others is especially strong because these defendants engaged in acts that were intended to influence the government through intimidation or coercion, writes the DOJ. In other words, terrorism, they note. And they were leaders of such efforts because these defendants not only contributed to the attack on the Capitol, but also to organize it. Their sentences will be noted by those who would foment such political violence in the future. That's good. Though I could think of some folks who helped to organize and foment such political violence in the past who have still not paid a price for that. Joining us now to discuss all of that and probably more as time allows is Allison Gill, Dr. Allison Gill, a Navy veteran, a Ph.D. author and the voice behind the notorious Mueller She Wrote Twitter handle. She's also host of the Mueller She Wrote podcast, along with the Daily Beans podcast. And uh, she follows these matters as close as anyone in the nation this side of Jack Smith and maybe Marcy Wheeler. Allison Gill, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to have you here, Allison. Uh, over the weekend, uh, you noted on Twitter that you had read through the full, uh, what was it, 183 pages, something like that, the uh, sentencing recommendation, and its motion for a, quote, upward departure for the Oath Keepers convicted of sedition, uh, con uh, seditious conspiracy over these two different trials last November and uh, this past January, adding, quote, wow, the DOJ means business in all caps, as if you were Donald Trump, Allison, uh, <laughs> noting that you were blown away by the DOJ pulling no punches here, unquote. All right, I will bite, A.G. How so? Well, there were three things that I was looking for. I've been looking for this sentencing mm -hmm. recommendation for a while now because I wanted to see how it would impact what happened in the Proud Boys trial, which mm -hmm. you talked about. And I wanted to see how it would impact what might happen with Donald Trump mm -hmm. in the future in the Jack Smith investigation. And the three things I was looking for was whether or not they were going to use a domestic terrorism or a terrorism enhancement, which they will, mm -hmm. whether or not they were going to use treason as a guideline for sentencing, which they did because there is no guideline for seditious conspiracy. Mm -hmm. 
And whether or not they were going to recommend these sentences for people who were convicted of multiple felonies with mm -hmm. 20 year max sentences, whether they were going to recommend those sentences be served concurrently or consecutively, mm -hmm. meaning back to back or on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And they went with consecutively, which I didn't think they were going to do. Mm. So very, very big news, a very long sentence recommendation, sentencing recommendation. And, you know, like I said, early on, I didn't think they were going to try to use seditious conspiracy. I thought they would use obstructing an official proceeding. Uh, and, you know, when Marcy Wheeler talks about whether or not they're going to use this for Donald Trump, mm -hmm. I think one of the more important points that the DOJ makes in this filing is that even if you're acquitted of the conspiracy, like Pozzolo was mm -hmm. with the Proud Boys, uh, you are still liable. You're still a member of the conspiracy and you're still liable for the actions of your co-conspirators. So, mm. you know, if Donald Trump isn't found guilty of seditious conspiracy, but say John Eastman is, mm -hmm. and the DOJ determines that, well, Donald Trump, you were still part of that conspiracy, you are a lot, you are just as liable for the seditious conspiracy that your friend and your co-conspirator John Eastman participated in. So there's a lot going on in this filing, and mm. I'm really glad that you're covering it because I don't think it's getting enough attention. Yeah, well, it sort of came in on a Friday, and I think a lot of people uh, either didn't notice it or they got confused. Was it, as, and as a matter of fact, I got confused. It's like, oh, now we're talking about the Oath Keepers again. We're not talking about the Proud Boys who were found guilty the day before. And then, of course, all the, of the uh, just disasters and tragedies in Texas over the weekend. It's hard to keep this stuff straight. So before we get to what this actually may or may not mean for Donald Trump, let me just hit a few of the points you're making, Allison, uh, on seditious conspiracy. Um, this is uh, the, apparently you note, I think it was you. Yeah, you noted that there's a, a standard. There's actually no uh, punishment standard for treason because there is not specific sentencing guidelines for seditious conspiracy. Or rather, I got that wrong. You were looking to see if they use the treason standard because there is no sentencing guidelines for seditious conspiracy. Uh, you said that they that they do, did something similar here, but why is there no spirit, uh, uh, sentencing guidelines for, for seditious conspiracy? Is it because it's so rarely invoked? Well, treason is pretty rare too, right? Yeah, so I, yeah. I've got some questions out to my my uh, legal scholar friends mm -hmm. to find out why there is no uh, seditious conspiracy guidelines. But when you when you go to the guidelines that you know have been put out, mm -hmm. it says, "All right, well, we don't have seditious conspiracy, so then go to treason, see treason." And then you flip to treason, and it says, "All right, did they or did they not wage war against the United States?" If they did, you use the treason guidelines. Mm. If they did not, you use the uh, obstruction of justice guidelines. And in this case, they did not. So they use the obstruction of justice guidelines. Mm. And those are the same guidelines for most of the felonies that these fellows have been charged with, both the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that's sort of the path that they took. Uh, it didn't land on treason, but it went through it. And I thought that that was pretty significant. And uh, you talk about the upward departure for terrorism. Can you explain that? What does that exactly mean? And and did we, in fact, see that upward departure included by the DOJ in their in their uh, recommendation? Yeah, it's called a note four uh, in the sentencing guidelines, which is a terrorism. It doesn't necessarily say domestic or foreign. It's just terrorism. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, you're trying to upset the government or to try to coerce the government to do something it doesn't want to do. And or, you know, that's not part of its laws, I should say. I, I sometimes speak in layman's terms. OK, I, that's good. <laughs> for that. uh, and so they are using 
the terrorism enhancement here. And that that adds quite a bit to the level, uh, which brings him up to a 39, which puts him between 22 and 28 years. They went right at the midline 25. So that's sort of how that that, you know, that plays into this. And of course, we will then see that. I'm I'm sure we'll see that in the Proud Boys sentencing mm-hmm. recommendations. Uh, and we'll see how that impacts the leaders of the insurrection, uh, mm-hmm. because we don't know whether or not they're just going to be charged with obstructing the proceeding or actually participating in the violent attack on the Capitol, because we haven't seen any public information showing a direct link, direct link between Trump and what, ha- you know, the violence at the Capitol. Not yet. We haven't, you know, we don't know what Jack Smith has. So. And, and- and one more point on the uh, the upward departure for terrorism. If I'm understanding it correctly, it's, you know, they committed these certain crimes, but because they did it in a terroristic way, if you will, we are calling for X number of years to be added to their uh, to their sentencing, not unlike a hate crime. You might be found guilty of murder, but if it was a, a hate crime, then there a hate crime, then there is a hate crime enhancement. You're charged the sentence for the murder plus an extra number of years or an extra penalty in some fashion uh, because it was a hate crime. Is that is that a, a, a appropriate way to look at it? Yeah. They don't really add ear, years, though. They add a level. They mm. add levels, upward levels from the level. And then you look at the level and it gives you the range. But yeah, that essentially adds years. But we have a very recent example when Alec Baldwin was charged uh, in the, you know, the, the accidental shooting in mm-hmm. the movie Rust. They were going to initially add a firearm enhancement, which would make his sentence close to max five years. But then they took away that gun enhancement, mm-hmm. which dropped it down to 18 months. Then they dropped the other two charges. But it's exactly like that, a hate crime or a, a gun enhanced firearm enhancement, something mm-hmm. something along those lines. And because this was terroristic activity, they um, the, the DOJ is arguing for this. And they put in the memo that, you know, 13 out of 15 times, these kinds of enhancements, and I don't know if they were necessarily talking about the terror enhancement, but mm-hmm. some of the other enhancements have been used in, in these rioter cases for obstructing an official proceeding. So they have precedent. It sounds like the DOJ went about as hard as they could against these guys. Uh, is that is that your reading uh, in, in general of these recommendations? Yeah, 100 percent. There's there's nothing in here like all three of the things that I was looking for them to do mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to quote unquote throw the book. Uh, at, mm-hmm. at these seditious conspiracies, were all of them were were done. So, I'm not sure they could have gone any harder than they did. Good to know because uh, I was uh, I may open the phones a little bit later if I have time. I'd love to hear from folks who, uh, you know, over the past year or so, who have been complaining. Uh, D- uh, DOJ is doing nothing. Mara Garland's moving too slow. Bringing in Jack Smith is a huge waste of time. I don't think that's the case, um, and I I would be surprised if anybody who was actually paying attention, actually keeping up with this information at this point, still felt that way because uh, I think they are bringing a world of hurt against uh, Donald Trump before very long. But uh, I may take some calls later on this if if you feel differently about it, or if you're someone who you know thought the DOJ was acting too slow and now you feel differently now. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five is our phone number. Eight one eight nine eight KPFK. Allison Gill, the um, recommendations that DOJ made, that's now left up to the judge and his particular discretion, correct? Yes. And the judge here is Judge Amit Mehta. Mm-hmm. 
And he was appointed by Barack Obama. Uh, is there anything that we should know or that we do know about him in particular, whether he tends to go with DOJ sentencing recommendations or not, or he can actually go higher or lower than in his own final verdict here, I, I believe, correct? Yep, he can go higher, he can go lower. Mm -hmm. It's uh, totally his discretion. Um, he tends to go lower, uh, as most mm. judges appointed by Democratic presidents do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and we've always praised that mm -hmm. in the past as, as leftists. Um, but we will see because we know the unprecedented nature of this particular uh, set of circumstances and this particular crime. And the DOJ spelled it out in their filing. This is the you know the first time it's capital's ever been occupied, and, and mm -hmm. this is absolutely unprecedented in American history. Um, we'll see what he does. We recently got a case where 24 years was recommended. Uh, and the, the reason that the sentence recommendation was so high is because this guy's got a rap sheet longer than mm. a CBS receipt. Um, but uh, Judge Amit Mehta ended up sentencing him to 14 years, 10 years mm. under what the DOJ recommended. So I don't see Amit Mehta going under 15 years here for Stuart Rhodes. I think it'll probably between be between somewhere between 15 and 20. But I don't think he I've, I haven't really seen him hit the mark that mm. the DOJ recommends. He usually is below. But again, the unprecedented nature of the attack on the Capitol for seditious conspiracists could be different for him this time. This this would be the first, would this be the first uh, seditious conspiracy uh, sentencing so far in the January 6th cases? Yes. Okay. And that was, uh, yeah, it looks like Stuart Rhodes uh, was the uh, DOJ recommended. He served 25 years. Kelly Meggs, 21 years. Jessica Watkins, 18 years. Uh, and down to the lowest uh, conspirator, I guess, uh, about 10 years here. Would you, and you'd expect the uh, Proud Boys, uh, their defendants, to be similarly uh, sentenced when we get to that part of the prosecution? And Judge Mehta is also uh, the judge in that case as well, correct? Yeah, and I believe so. And because DOJ went so hard at the Oath Keepers, I don't think there's anything they could add to the Proud Boys, even though I believe I think the Proud Boys are more considered more tip of the spear. Mm. So perhaps all of the Proud Boys who were convicted here could have those leadership and supervisory enhancements added that maybe only Stuart Rhodes and Megs got in mm -hmm. this case. Uh, and, you know, so I don't know that we'll be seeing more than 25 years. And of course, we know that these Oath Keepers didn't get any downward departures for taking responsibility for what they did or feeling remorse. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the Proud Boys will throw themselves upon the mercy of the court and accept responsibility, and they might see a little downward departure uh, from the Department of Justice. Maybe some of them might mm. end up cooperating mm. uh, you know, to, to get a, a, a Rule 35 sentence reduction from the Department of Justice. Um, uh, cooperate against somebody maybe like well, Roger Stone or anybody who was at the Willard Hotel that night. Because mm. uh, now would be the time to pony up if you wanted to cooperate before you get sentenced and before the recommendations come out. But we'll see. We'll see how it ends up happening. We'll see how it ends up turning out. So uh, it's, not, I, it's not too late. They can, e even before they're sentenced, they can say, okay, I've been thinking about this. Now that I've been found guilty, before you sentenced me, uh, I got some things you might want to know, and they can start talking. Yep, and and... Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. they can. Yeah. And and so in, in both of these cases, um, 
why are these convictions, and I know it was something we talked a little bit with Marcy about last week, but why are these convictions so important to Jack Smith and his prosecution of Donald J. Trump in his case against him for his activities in the January 6th insurrection? And Jack Smith has two cases. I got a question about the other one for you in a second, Allison Gill. But uh, a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, let's see how they treat the, uh, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Why is that important to what happens to Donald Trump and his fate in uh, in Jack Smith's case. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, Marcy is, is so good at answering these questions. And I think and I agree with her. And she was saying, you know, you can't use somebody else's crime to to pump up somebody else's crime. Mm-hmm. But you can now say Jack Smith can now say, well, we'll see what, how the sentencing goes. Uh, but, we, you know, we have convictions of seditious conspiracy, like the, the multitude of uh, Fox News montage. Where's yes. the seditious conspiracy charges well here they are Mm -hmm. um and so you know we can say that the the people that attack the capitol let's say you're going to try to get trump on incitement Mm -hmm. uh, of an insurrection you can say it helps your case that he incited an insurrection when it was actually an insurrection you know so right well you know we'll see how that ends up uh uh turning out but i you know i'm i'm kind of with you on this for those kinds of things with what Trump might be charged with, I turn to, to Marcy Wheel, Wheel okay. Taylor for those, for those answers. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the question occurs to me, if this is a seditious conspiracy, who all how how broad was the conspiracy? Are they just uh, and, and I don't know if that came up as part of the sentencing memo or not. Is this a is this conspiracy just contained to the oath? Oath keepers conspiring with themselves or maybe conspiring with the uh, with the Proud Boys in some fashion? Or is the suggestion here that this is a broader conspiracy that if uh, Enrique Tario, the, the, the leader of the Proud Boys, if he could be found guilty with seditious conspiracy and he wasn't even on the grounds of the cap uh, of the Capitol building, can Donald Trump be considered to be a conspirator or a leader of the conspiracy for essentially ordering these people to attack the U.S. Capitol, even though Donald Trump was not there? Yeah, he very much could be. And they did talk about the scope in the sentencing memo because it's a broad scope of the conspiracy that adds enhancements to sentencing. And, and you know, the reason that you should sentence people that are similarly situated, mm-hmm. the Department of Justice brought that up. Uh, but, you know, they... 22 people is what they put in the in the as, as the size of the conspiracy mm. uh, in in the DOJ filing and they didn't name them uh and we don't know you know I, I suppose we could add it up in our heads but um that's sort of the, the in this filing they seem to limit it to the oath keepers and to say hey this is the oath keepers and it was their own fault you know as you said they tried to you know, the proud boys at least mm-hmm. tried to say that it was Trump's fault um, but then, you know, that's called a public authority defense. And Judge Beryl Howell shot that down pretty decisively um, it, already. And, and um, she put out some statements of why the public authority defense can't be used mm. um, in these cases. So, I mean, we're going to end up seeing, you know, I've always been of the mind that they probably wouldn't. They would err on the side of caution and not charge Donald Trump with seditious conspiracy, but instead charge him with obstructing an official proceeding, which also carries a 20 year max sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we'll see the the like I told you, the DOJ surprised me yeah. when they charged the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys with seditious conspiracy. So maybe they'll surprise us again. Um, and, you know, you, as, as a jury, you don't necessarily 
If you charge somebody like Dominic Pozzola is a perfect example. He was charged with seditious conspiracy and obstructing an official proceeding, but he was only found guilty on obstructing an official proceeding. So you can charge Trump if you've got the evidence mm -hmm. with both. And, and maybe the jury decides that he's only guilty of one. So we, we'll see how it ends up shaking out. But I know that Jack Smith won't charge uh, unless he's got the evidence. And one of the big pieces of news here is not that, you know, people talk about seditious conspiracy. Oh, it's rarely used. It's not so much that it's rarely used. It's that it's very difficult to prove. And the DOJ has tried over, you know, in recent decades to use seditious conspiracy against Nazis and stuff. And they have failed. They were found not guilty. It's a very difficult charge to bring and to prove and to get a conviction on. But here they have done so in case after case with the Proud Boys uh, and the Oath Keepers. So that could also uh, spell a slightly different thinking uh, as Jack Smith is, is uh, figuring out what charges, if any, to bring. I suspect he's going to bring some. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Allison, uh, last week, the uh, New York Times, in reporting on what they describe as an intensifying effort to determine whether Trump ordered boxes of sensitive material that he stole from the White House to be moved out of a storage room at Mar-a-Lago as the government tried to recover those documents, the, uh, the Times reports... Federal prosecutors now have, quote, obtained the confidential cooperation of a person who has worked for Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Now, that probably scares the hell out of Donald Trump. I know it would scare the hell out of me uh, trying to figure out who that was, whether it's true or not. But in the middle of this long, uh, this long article from The Times, the five reporters here, they drop this little <laughs> potential bombshell. I don't know. Let me read it. Quote, one of the previously unreported subpoenas to the Trump organization sought records pertaining to Mr. Trump's dealings with a Saudi-backed professional golf venture known as Live Golf, which is holding tournaments at some of Mr. Trump's golf resorts. It's unclear what bearing Mr. Trump's venture, uh, uh, Mr. Trump's uh, relationship with the Live Golf has on the broader investigation. Again, this is into the Stolen documents case, the broader investigation, but it suggests that the prosecutors are examining certain elements of Mr. Trump's family business. Well, that is quite uh, something to, you know, quite a throwaway sentence or two there. Uh, we're all wondering, you know, why why Trump wanted those documents so badly that he stole them from the White House when he left office. And then he refused chance after chance after chance for a, like a year and a half to give those documents back, probably without much penalty or consequence until the FBI finally had to take the documents back by force. So this reference to Saudi Arabia, uh, what have you been able to discern about that, if anything, about this curious reference that sort of dropped into the middle of the Times latest piece on the Mar-a-Lago uh, stolen documents case? Right. Buried lead, right? Yeah. A couple of things. Now, we don't really know anything other than what the little sentence that you just read. But yeah. a couple of things for, you know, first crossed my mind is that uh, it appears that somewhere somewhere else in the article, New York Times says that it appears that the, uh, because there seem to be gaps in the surveillance footage, that uh, the DOJ had subpoenaed the rest of the surveillance footage mm -hmm. and then went to the software company in charge of the Trump property surveillance footage to get that, which means now that they possibly have surveillance footage for all of his properties. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and that was like, did they notice something going on in a different property? Are they going to be able to develop evidence to search a different property? Does that have something to do with the live golf course thing? Because that happened at Sterling. 
Uh, I know a couple meetings happened there uh, and at Bedminster. And then the second thing that crossed my mind, which also apparently crossed the mind of Mary McCord, who I saw on MSNBC talking about it, was what if Donald was using these documents to blackmail mm. the Saudis into holding their golf tournaments at his properties mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, for, for whatever other reason to, to, you know, what if the documents like why is this part of the documents case? Right. And, and so that is, you know, where my mind goes first uh, is to, you know, to those two possible things. Do yeah. they have surveillance video of live golf club meetings that have to then documents were involved or mm. Or was there somehow a blackmail here, or did or did he give the pay the Saudis with information yes. to post it at his at his golf course? Because we know he's talked about how Nixon probably could have made a profit off of his tapes that had gaps in them, or whatever. Uh, so, so that's where my mind first went. We again, we don't know, but I felt a, a little like my. I didn't feel as as crazy. I was a little assuaged uh, by Mary McCord having the same thoughts. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But so far, all we know is that the, one of the subpoenas has to do with the Live Golf Tournament. Which, uh, I mean, of course, the first thing I thought was uh, he is doing something. He is trading with the Saudis, these uh, documents. There's got to be some reason why he was willing to go for a year and a half when they kept begging him, sir, we know you have the documents. Please give them back. And, you know, it would have been literally it would have been a get out of jail free card. And he didn't. Why? What was so important? Well, I don't know. But New York Times is suddenly talking about Saudi Arabia in the middle of their latest uh, story on this. Uh, Keep your eyes open for that. Uh, Allison Gill, I got to let you go. Uh, It's just uh, remarkable how this keeps moving forward. I am uh, always delighted that it seems to be moving continuously in the right direction, Uh, even though many had been saying for months, oh, Merrick Garland's not doing enough. DOJ's not doing enough. It feels like they are. It feels like they are all moving in the right direction. And I'm uh, Delighted to be able to turn to you to help us uh, uh, make sense of it as it does. Yes. Thank you so much, Brad, for having me on. I mean, I've been saying now for a couple of years that this is going to be how it goes and this is going to be how long it takes. But I do understand the frustration. Uh, but um, here we are and, and it's it's moving along. So I appreciate you covering this and I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Dr. Allison Gill can be found on the interwebs at uh, MullerSheWrote.com where you can download and listen to all of her podcasts. You can also find her and you should follow her on the Twitters at MullerSheWrote and, and her own personal account, by the way, Allison Gill. Uh, Allison, great speaking with you. Look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks so much. Yeah, me too. And everybody, there's a new podcast called Jack, wherever you get your podcast. It's me and Andy McCabe, all about the jackpot, uh, the Jack investigation. <laughs> the jackpot. I heard you. All right. Good to know. I'm adding it to the Jack. All right. I will listen to that, too. Thanks, Allison. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, before we get to a break here, by the way, if you have any thoughts on this Saudi Arabia thing, feel free to call. You know, I don't like to speculate, but boy, did that jump out and punch you in the face when you read that article in The New York Times last week. I don't like to speculate, but that doesn't mean you can't. Our phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. And if you are someone, like I said, who was skeptical of what the DOJ is up to, hearing all of this, hearing what they are doing, hearing is seeing that they are throwing the book at these conspirators, these seditious conspirators. Has that changed your thinking about how they are dealing with Donald Trump? Do you still feel the same or uh, 
or not. 818-985-KPFK. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with some of your calls, some of the news out of Texas that is grim, and much more on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the broadcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We will get to some of your calls momentarily at 818-985-5735 on anything that uh, Allison Gill and I were chatting about just now. My thanks to her on that uh, regarding the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, the hell that awaits Donald Trump. Uh, thanks to Jack Smith, in my opinion. And if you feel otherwise, I'd especially like to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, but, you know, due to a rise in crime and fatalities, as the Miami Herald observes, travel advisories, they're not uncommon. And uh, they're often the most efficient way for officials to provide safety information to their citizens about potential risks when visiting other countries. The U.S. issues them all the time in, uh, for various hot spots around the world, war zones and so forth. But the U.S. itself is not immune to travelers questioning their safe safety, particularly of late, with one mass shooting after another in the U.S. Several nations have now advised citizens to take uh, various safety precautions when coming to travel to the U.S., but uh, some have increased the level of alarm of late, increased hate crimes, violence, sexual assaults, and other forms of criminality have Countries warning their citizens about travel, yes, to the United States. Uh, countries such as New Zealand, Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, France, Venezuela, Uruguay have all encouraged their citizens to stay vigilant when visiting America, have given them instructions on what to do when there is an active shooter. It's just uh, kind of remarkable. And after a weekend like what we saw in Texas, well, it was no surprise. America's usual macabre tableau after a mass shooting, thoughts and prayers, turgid explanations for why nothing can possibly be done, soulful mourning from those directly affected, cries of despair from everyone with a conscience, had barely gotten underway after the Allen, Texas outlet mall shooting on Saturday, according to TPM's David Kurtz, before the SUV rampage in Brownsville, Texas, took place. The gunman who killed eight people on Saturday at an outlet mall in suburban Dallas had a fascination with white supremacists and neo-Nazi views. He was wearing an RWDS patch on his chest. That stands for Right Wing Death Squad. 
As it turns out uh, now, the uh, NBC is reporting late on uh, Monday afternoon that a social media page appearing to belong to the gunman at the Texas outlet mall in Allen shared extremist beliefs with rants against Jews, women and racial minorities. He maintained a profile on the Russian social network platform OK.ru including posts referencing extremist online forums and content from white nationalists, including Nick Fuentes, an anti-Semitic white nationalist provocateur who Donald Trump had dinner with just a few months back. Uh, The uh, Texas governor, Greg Abbott, of course, has refused to take any gun safety measures or any anti-hate measures, for that matter, despite all of these shootings that we have recently seen in the great state of Texas, though he has loosened restrictions on guns in recent years, as we have seen one mass shooting after another after another. The, uh, The president... Uh, President Biden uh, said the assailant in Texas wore tactical gear, fired an AR-15 style weapon. He urged Congress to act to tighten uh, restrictions on firearms and ammunition, saying, quote, such an attack is too shocking to be so familiar. And yet American communities have suffered roughly 200 mass shootings already this year. Now, uh, he ordered the uh, flags across the nation uh, lowered to half staff. But in fact, As of earlier this afternoon, the total number of mass shootings so far this year in the U.S., according to the Gun Violence Archive uh, database, it's a a database of shootings that uh, include uh, that kill or injure four or more people, not including the shooter. The uh, the number of mass shootings in 2023 alone is 202 as we go to air, or at least it was a little bit earlier this afternoon. Who knows how many have taken place in the time since I drove over here. But if you're keeping score at home, there have been 128 days in the year so far. And there have been 202 mass shootings. So that is verging on two mass shootings a day on every single day of the year so far this year. Republicans in Congress said Biden cannot continue to meet this epidemic with a shrug. Oh, you may be underestimating Republicans, Mr. President. They are very much, at this point, the party of mass murder. That uh, was barely finished uh, before uh, witnesses reported the driver of an SUV in Brownsville, Texas, hurling anti-immigrant Anti-immigrant remarks before the vehicle hit a group of mostly Venezuelan men waiting at a bus stop near an immigrant shelter, killing eight of them as well. Uh, So far in that incident, another dozen or so have been uh, injured. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's get to some of your calls on this or anything else you want to chat about today. Pam in San Bernardino. Welcome to the broadcast, Pam. Hi, Brad. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And thanks for the heads up when you were going to be gone. I hope everything was well with your appointment. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. Full disclosure, I'm a Merrick Garland supporter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think people forget that he doesn't go by the whims of the public. He goes by the letter of the law. He is the one who um, successfully prosecuted the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, pr- prosecuted prosecuted who? I'm sorry, Pam? Prosecuted who? Sorry? You said he was the one who successfully prosecuted someone? Who? Oh, 
Oklahoma City bombing years ago. Oh, the Oklahoma bomber. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I understand their frustration because I'm frustrated about the fact that George Bush and company hasn't suffered any consequences as yet for their Mm -hmm. actions. But Merrick Garland is not going to swing or be persuaded by the way we feel. He is going to go by the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. So if you want someone who's going to go by the letter of the law, you would support him. If you want someone who's going to be swayed by others' feelings, he is not your man. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you, Pam. I appreciate that. Yeah, listen, this stuff takes a while. I have to keep reminding people that no one went to jail regarding Watergate until about three years. Uh, I believe it was like three years after uh, Nixon left office. This stuff takes time. And again, we have never seen an investigation of this size. And, you know, I'm not just talking about this size uh, regarding Donald Trump. And in there, you know, each one of these cases seems to keep getting larger and larger. You wonder, well, why haven't they brought charges yet? Uh, Why hasn't Fonnie Willis brought charges yet in Georgia? Well, guess what? Uh, Now she's got about 10 witnesses who who recently flipped and are suddenly cooperating with Fonnie Willis. And some new crimes that we helped reveal on this show regarding the uh, software breaches in Coffee County, that too is adding to uh, this huge, broad, multi-state conspiracy, really, that is involved with breaching software around the country. So, and now we have only recently just learned that Donald Trump was actually involved in these uh, breaches of voting system software around the country as this plan was hatched. We discussed it on this show uh, about two weeks ago, I think. Uh, This plan was hatched in the White House, December 18, 2020, and we've only just now learned that thanks to uh, our guest a couple of weeks ago, Susan Greenhall, plowing through the January 6 documents and finding out, oh, yeah, it looks like a discussion of breaching the software around the country was part of the discussion in the White House back then. So these cases just keep getting larger and larger, including Donald Trump's case. But the entire conspiracy we're talking about so far, a thousand people who have been charged for what happened that day in January 6. And I think there's more than 500 who are still on the FBI's most wanted list. You can go to their website and see all the photographs. There's still more than 500 people that they are looking for. Yeah, this is going to take some time. But every sign that I see shows me that they are moving in the right direction. You may feel differently If so, I'd love to hear from you as to why. 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735. It looks like I got two different mics from Los Angeles. All right, we'll see. This will be one of them. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Oh, Mike. Uh, Which which mic is it? It, It's the one that just asked me that question. Well done, Mike. What's up? Sorry. Sorry about that. You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of us in the phone book. I know there are. I know there are. What what's on your mind, Mike? I, I know you're short on time. Uh, just a real quick. My rudimentary uh, failed out of law school understanding of RICO is how could there not be a RICO case against Trump and his president's men? Mm-hmm. That, I, that's my question. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. But. 
Well, we, we don't know what, what the case is going to be. I would tell you that uh, Fonnie Willis has hired a top RICO prosecutor down there in Georgia. She's the Fulton County District Attorney. She's hired a top RICO prosecutor. If anything looks ripe for a conspiracy, man alive, is it what Donald Trump tried to do in uh, in Georgia with the help of Rudy Giuliani, uh, Lindsay, Senator Lindsey Graham, a whole bunch of other people down there in Georgia. If that ain't a conspiracy, if that ain't a RICO case, I don't know what is. That's, you know, essentially racketeering uh, and influence peddling. It, it feels like it's, it uh, is the textbook definition. So uh, I understand that Funny uh, has also done some RICO cases before, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, she has. I, and I, as, as I understand it, she's mostly used it against gangs, gang members. Yeah. So she's yeah. familiar with how it works, how to do it. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's definitely coming. And, you know, she's already uh, warned law, local law enforcement that uh, this is going to come down between, I think, what was the date? July 11 and September 1, if I'm remembering it correctly. That's when the next grand jury meets uh, in late summer when she's going to be taking these indictments, theoretically, these indictments uh, to them to, uh, to, to finally bring charges. Yes, well, arguably, Trump and his president's men are gang members. Yeah, couldn't couldn't disagree with that, Mike. Hey, thank you, brother. Thank you, I appreciate the call. Eight one eight nine eight five. KPFK, 818-985-5735. Yes. One could also say that it's not just that it would be gang members, but, you know, domestic terrorism, because effectively they were fomenting a plot to overthrow the government. So, yeah. Yeah. A a gang of terrorists, if you will. Uh, Exactly. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to. uh, All right. I will get to. Let me do the other mic. that I ignored the first time. Hey, Mike, in Los Angeles, how are you, sir? How do you do? You know, one of the things that really helps prosecutors, I think, in these cases is that there's no way you can steal an election in private. It's something that has to be acknowledged, or what's the point? So I think they have been working up slowly from the bottom of the pile to the higher-ups, and we're about to get to this level where we might hear from someone like uh, our man for four seasons, Rudy Giuliani, who is, according to my eyes and ears, advocated violence to the mob before they went to the Capitol. Trial by combat, Trial by, yeah. which is not legal in the United States, has not been legal in most of the world for centuries, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of leaves all ambiguity outside. Yep. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he was right there that day on January 6th saying we need a trial by combat. And uh, boy, did we get one that day. Thanks, Mike. Good to hear from you, my friend. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Karen in Oakland. There we go. Hey, Karen, welcome to welcome back to the broadcast. Hey, hello, uh, Brad. Uh, first of all, I, I think uh, regarding Mary Garrett. I Garland, yes. Little, so maybe we can have uh, some uh, stuff come out right before the GOP convention. It'll turn it into chaos. Well, yeah, but then he would be politicizing uh, that. Surely you don't want the attorney general to politicize anything like this, especially when it's something that is already so political that you're, you know, talking about throwing a former president in jail. You mean like uh, James Comey did seven years ago? Uh, yeah. 
and uh, glad they took it, it took their time and uh, found that there was no reason to bring charges. Had they taken uh, Donald Trump's advice to lock her up, it would have been a very different uh, picture at the time. I'm not suggesting that, you know, the FBI certainly are not going to defend James Comey, but you want, look, if, if you're going to bring a president or a potential president um, bring charges, felony charges, serious felony charges. You need to make sure you got it right. You need to make sure you got all ducks in a row. You don't need to bring charges and then find out there are, as we talked about on uh, this show last week, with again with Marcy Wheeler, you don't need to find out that there were, oh, another 20 witnesses on the call when uh, uh, Donald Trump called the Secretary of State in Georgia and said, find me another 11,000 votes to overturn the election. We just now found out there were 20 other people on that call. That's the kind of thing you need to know before you go to, uh, before you bring charges, before you get into a courtroom and find out there's 20 people who could, you know, uh, exculpate your, your, uh, your, your, uh, 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 the person you've charged. So you got to take the time. At least that's my thought. Okay, well, anyway, I'm glad you had uh, Allison Gill on. I've heard her many times on the Stephanie Miller show. Mm. I don't know why she won't have you on the Stephanie Miller show to talk <laughs> about uh, Smartmatic and Dominion and so yeah. forth. That's okay. I used to be on Stephanie's show all the time, but now she's on way too early. So I, I'm just as well not being on her show. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate the call. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, let me go to, uh, let's see, who shall I go to here? Let's go to uh, Drew in Big Bear. Hey, Drew, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Bud? Drew, you're on. Can you hear me? Okay. Hey, man. So quick question. Yeah. Why, why do you think that we should indict Trump when he's not even in office and has nothing to do for us politically at the moment when our own president that we have in office right now can't make a clear and concise decision, can't form a sentence, and can't figure out which side of the room that he entered the building on? <laughs> uh, excellent question, Drew. For one, uh, we don't bring charges based on whether someone is in office or not. We bring charges based on what... That. Hang on. Well, no, no, Drew, 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 Drew. You got your okay, question okay. out? Let me answer your question, okay? We don't bring charges based on who's in office. We, we bring charges based on who broke the law. Donald Trump, there is evidence up the yin-yang, broke the law in case after case after case, issue after issue. He should be held accountable. Now, if Joe Biden also broke the law in case after case, or even just one case, he also should be held accountable. You're going to say he's uh, too old or uh, whatever you were uh, saying. He can't string a sentence together. Hang on. I'll give you I'll give you a chance, Drew. I'll give you a chance. If you want to say he can't string a sentence together in your opinion, that's fine. That's your opinion. You're welcome to even come on the air and say it, but it is not unlawful. So there would be no charges for that. Does that answer your question, Drew? Um, not not correctly, because I'm not really understanding the charges that you're saying that Trump had, that he acquired, and the, the laws that he broke in. I'm not really understanding what it is that you're saying that he did. And then also, mm -hmm. uh, if one, one case gets cleared out of the board, you guys just try to find something else to pin against the man when he was stimulating the economy. He had <laughs> uh, relations with China and Russia going in a yeah. very... Okay. Direct place that we needed it to go, but now we have Joe Biden in office, yeah. and 
he's losing he's losing uh, our rights to the oil over in Saudi Arabia. That's going to be moved to China and Russia. Okay, so here's so, the here's the so let me let me respond to you, Drew. Um, you know, here's the deal. Uh, the uh, Donald Trump lost more jobs during his presidency for the American people than any president in American history. On the other side of the coin, Joe Biden has created more jobs during his presidency so far than any. Well, you the, uh, no, 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 Drew, you're going to let me talk or I'm going to cut you off. So let me talk and then I'll let you talk. You don't let me talk. Oh, he hung up on himself. How sad. He seems to have difficulty understanding the concept of evidence of crimes. Just because you don't like somebody's policies is not a crime. I'm sorry to say. For some people, that appears to be a problem. Yeah, I know. And the fact that he doesn't understand the charges. Well, there's really only been, uh, when it comes to charges brought against Donald Donald Trump specifically for felony crimes, well, there were 34 counts for falsifying business records in New York. I guess this guy hasn't read that. This is regarding the uh, hush money payoffs to Stormy Daniels that helped him win, quote unquote, win the uh, 2016 election. Uh, The other charges, they're not there yet. So the fact that he doesn't understand it is probably because he's not watching very good news sources. I'm just guessing, but I'm glad he's listening to the Bradcast. All right. Do we have time for one more? Patrice in Topanga. Hey, Patrice, welcome to the Bradcast. Oh, Patrice. Do we have Patrice there? Oh, there you there you go. Patrice, you're here. What's on your mind? Yeah. I only got about thirty seconds or so. Oh, I was I was actually going back to something that you spoke uh, about with Allison, yeah. I believe her name is, um, yep. and um, the Saudis and Trump and the documents. Um, and I remember at that time, Ivana Dr- Trump fell down the stairs <laughs> and then was oddly buried at Bedminster, and then soon after that, or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right after it, there was the LV I got golf it. tournament there, which also seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. And then there was the video of someone loading documents in boxes onto the helicopter when Trump gotta, was leaving Mar-a-Lago. I got I to gotta get out, Patrice. Thank you for the information. We're going to have to pick up your point, unfortunately, at another time because we are up against the wall. Sorry about that. Really am. My thanks to our guest today, Allison Gill of Muller. She wrote to our producer, Desi Doyne, to our board operator, Wendell Handy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And you'll find me on the Facebooks, Twitters, and uh, Mastodons at the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you back here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.